0: I decided to try this uh, microphone that Adrian's been using, so I wanted to check the <coughs> the volume level. Uh, here we go. Louder. Louder. I don't know if you do have any control over that. Four. Number four. How's that? Okay. <laughs> it's a real change in the weather, from these warm days, and you might have probably different feelings about that here in the room, but it's undeniably the way it is. It's so the way it is right now, especially outside. I'm gonna to start today with reading a verse from a poem that comes from the, uh, one of the collections, I think it's from the Terigatta, the verses of the elders, uh, poems from the disciples of the Buddha at that time. If your mind becomes firm like a rock, and no longer shakes, in a world where everything is shaking, your mind will be your greatest friend, and suffering will not come your way." So I want to re- read this, this, uh, these lines from this verse for a couple of reasons. One of them is to point at this uh, possibility that I've mentioned more than once, and my colleagues as well, in, in our different ways of the possibility of uh, our own mind becoming our our friend, in this case our greatest friend, true friend. And that beautiful possibility, powerful possibility that really is uh, really real uh, in terms of what can happen for this practice, for us in this practice, because I think that's often not the way, not the relationship we have with our own mind and heart, at least not that often. And uh, and I think this verse is a good lead into introducing the uh, fourth of the Brahma-viharas of Upeka, which I'll do today. And so in, the, in these lines, in this verse, it speaks of the mind being firm like a rock. And the image of a rock, you know, a rock could seem sort of hard and immobile, but I think in this verse what it's pointing to much more are qualities of uh, stability and a certain kind of firmness, the word firm is there, and a kind of non-resistance and impartiality. So a a stability and an impartiality that uh, that image might uh, point to, and this this profound, deep acceptance of things. The rock accepts the weather, whatever happens. The sun shines on it. The rain falls on it. And it stays stable and firm in that. And this sense of, in a world where everything is shaking, this firmness in a shaking world, the shaking, uh, we could see that as this movement of of the continuously changing conditions in a life, in the world. And more specifically, the um, movement between pleasant and unpleasant, you could say, or what we like and don't like, find acceptable, find unacceptable, and and our, you could say our responses, reac- reactions to this flow of change and the flow of uh, pleasant and unpleasant. That's part of that. And so the world's shaking, it's shaking out there in this constant movement in response to, to these contacts of pleasant and unpleasant. And so the mind that is uh, not shaking then, that stability, that firmness, could then point to this quality, this sense of uh, deep, really profound balance that is uh, the, the the essence of this fourth Brahma-vihara, of equanimity, upekka. So you could say the mind and heart that have this ability to stay in a place of some balance and stability in the face of all the changes, and it's a kind of stability and balance that's uh, open and connected at the same time. It's balanced, but it's not lost in the extremes of grasping and aversion that uh, seem to be running the world so much of the time. I read an article a while ago that uh, that I want to share a couple of things from by Gil Fransdahl, who uh, <coughs> often teaches here. Uh, in March, and uh, he he pointed out that there are two words in the Pali language that um, that both would be translated in, in, into English as equanimity. They really point to two different aspects of this quality of heart of mind. So the one we're most familiar with, and the one that we use for this uh, Brahma-vihara, Upeka literally means something like, to look over. I think of it as uh, standing, like if you go up the ridge and you look out over and you can take in this broad view of the entire scene here. So it has that sense of a, a broad kind of view. This power of being to s- able to see a bigger picture. Um, and Gill, in that article compares it to uh, what he calls uh, grandmotherly love and the grandmother loves uh, her children, but because of her own experience raising her own children has, um, has the ability to not get so swirled up in the minutia of their, um, all the changes they're going through, can, can um, you know, maybe handle all that with a little more ease, less likely to get caught up in the drama of the moment. And so this aspect of equanimity, where we can take this broader picture and we don't get so swirled up into the details of what's happening in any moment and all of the apparent issues that seem to arise. There's so many issues. There's uh, this feeling during the day, you know, there's so many issues. There's all this stuff happening. There's all this change and all these things I don't like. And There must be something I have to do about it all know take care of it and and but this this quality of this broad view lets us um take take a different uh a different sense of that different way of uh relating and then the second word is uh tatra which is one of these great pali words that's made up of three shorter words. you get to do that in Pali is stick them together and make a new one and so uh, Tatra madja tata, how many syllables? Tatra madja tata, six syllables. You get some nice long words that way. So Tatra means there or or all these things. And majja is like the in majjima Nikaya. Or the majima we have majima in the Metta Sutta, that's why I call you middle-sized beings. Middle. It means middle. <laughs> middling. And tata means uh, literally to stand or pose. And so together they mean to stand in the middle of all these things or stand in the middle there. And this, uh, this aspect of um, equanimity is um, the stability in within change, uh, kind of an inner strength, stability, calm, integrity, vitality, And uh, the image that I like is like the keel in a ship, or a sailboat, that lets it um, stay upright in a strong wind. It can lean over, but the keel keeps it from tipping over. And so this inner strength, then, this aspect of equanimity, um, as that develops, then that supports and... um, really uh, brings about this this quality of equanimity in in this sense of an inner strength so this this quality of equanimity we've really been developing the whole time here because it's the other three brahma viharas are rest on the foundation of equanimity it's really the there it's woven through them and we see this in terms of the it's equanimity that allows them to not get pulled into their their near and far enemies. Um, that keeps them uh, really lets them lets us connect and, and fully o- open into the fullness of them. So um, it's it's what allows metta to um, to really grow great. It lets us connect with beings and wish them well, even when they're. Um, causing, seem to be causing suffering for themselves or for others. And uh, when they do uh, self-destructive things, we still can wish them well because equanimity lets us take this, uh, this balanced view of things. So it lets metta grow great in that way. And it, it, it's what supports the, the courageous aspect of compassion, I think. This ability to um, show up when things are difficult, show up for this part of life, <clears throat> part of all our lives, part of everyone's life. And um, it gives strength and, and this inner strength and courage lets us act when there's something we can do. And that's the, the beauty of compassion is that it's, it's active. It engages and it and it relieves suffering when there's something that can be done. And when there isn't, there's enough uh, stability and strength uh, there to stay, to stay with suffering, to sit with it, even if there's nothing we can do. So it's what allows us to not abandon another or abandon ourselves. There's an inner strength there in that. And it balances joy so that we uh, we don't limit ourselves or others. So it keeps us from falling into states where we begrudge another person's joy or happiness. It lets us really appreciate see that another's happiness doesn't mean less for us somehow. And it keeps it from going into an overly exuberant kind of state where, you know, I'm so happy, I'm so happy for you and, and it's all about me and and I'm not connected really with the appreciative side of it. A kind of overly exuberant state. <clears throat> so, just a, a little more before we start uh, some meditation. It's good to look at what equanimity is not when we start to explore this. You know, we learn so much in all these, uh, with all these brahmaviharas. By, you know, we learn about, um, we learn about these things by, by all the ways we encounter what they aren't, you know? It's sort of like, that's how we explore these near neighbors uh, of them all, where we, we learn the difference between pity or feeling sorry for someone and and true compassion, for example, or we learn the difference difference between the unconditional kind of love of metta and um, uh, an attached kind of love or a condition, to love with conditions, I'll love you if whatever. You do what I want, so um it's need we need to be clear that there's no quality of suppression or denial in equanimity. You no know, it's not like we're keeping things at a distance so we don't feel them. You know this is some like these are reflections of an attempt to control experience, so we uh, it's not about that. Or trying to shut things down or deny or sometimes this sort of fake, Oh yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm fine, it's fine. But if we look it's not fine and we're not okay. That's not but we you know, kind of faking it. Or um or these different responses that are actually there's there's actually if we look closely there's uh resistance or aversion or fear there in that attempt to uh, control or deny or suppress or anything like that. But equanimity, like all of these, is, it's based on this, I think of it as a radical intention to uh, connect and open. And it's actually the opposite of anything like suppression or denial. Because those are disconnected in some way. This is, uh, it's this radical a connection that's there that that leads to a radical kind of acceptance of the truth of things, you know, where we're really there. Sometimes, so the near enemy uh, is said to be indifference or apathy. Sometimes, indifference can feel a bit like there's a there's a coolness, a sort of detachment uh, there but it isn't really connected. It's actually uh, withdrawn from reality and usually has a kind of a sense of, of more defeated or resigned, or at least disconnected. You know, and, and sometimes people worry that if equanimity becomes strong, it means that we just don't feel anything anymore. You know, a kind of numbness, and it's nothing like that at all. We're totally connected and alive but we're not pushed or pulled around in the in the ways that we may have uh, may see so much or have seen in our lives so there's nothing passive there in this radical acceptance of things it's not a not a place of passivity like or defeat oh this is just the way it is and nothing i can do about that It doesn't mean that we the life rolls over us somehow you know, we take action when we can, we connect. We, but it lets us act from a place of wisdom and compassion rather than reactivity and judgment. Mm. So classically, and, and in this practice, uh, the phrase, there's usually one phrase that's classically used, and it's it's some version of the reflection on the law of karma that I spoke about. And so um, it's kind of long, but some reflection of all, all beings are the owners of their actions, of their karma. Their happiness or unhappiness depend upon their actions, not upon my wishes for them. And that can that can work sometimes for some of us but it can also lead to a sort of um sense of you know good luck <laughs> or have a good life hope it works out for you or or in the worst case scenario <laughs> the the far enemy it's like you you're <laughs> you're going to get what you deserve you know some <laughs> something like that you know you'll get yours um yeah if you find if we work with a difficult being in your your phrases, <laughs> you're going to get yours what's coming to you, then you might you know back out away from the <laughs> difficult person, <laughs> and then try try something else that's not a great equanimity phrase. <laughs> but uh, it can you know so it, I think that we have to infuse it with warmth, sometimes maybe a little bit intentionally. So there's the sense that I care for you, I wish you well, and I can't live your life for you. Or I wish you all all blessings, some expression of care, and I can't make your decisions for you. So those are some possible uh, phrases. And some people find um, that the phrase um, things are as they are. And there's something in that, this this quality there of a deep acceptance, but um, we need to make sure that it has this warmth infused in it, at least energetically, if not uh, through words. So um, we'll start, start a bit of guided meditation now and uh, inviting you to to adjust your posture if you'd like to, or at least find a comfortable posture. Allowing the the body to settle into stillness and letting, letting yourself settle into uh, a kind of simplicity of simply being. Just a living being right now. Just as you are. Whatever is, it's like for you in this moment, whether you you have a interest or not glad you came, wished you had stayed away, grumpy mood or light mood, nothing in particular, just as you are. No sense there's anything you have to do right now for this moment. No way you have to be. No agenda. Just simple, simple presence. It's like this right now. if you'd like to, from this place of real simplicity, you could let your attention come to the area we call the heart center. If you're curious about that or have found that maybe it's a little useful in some ways, maybe you've used that in the past, some connection possibly with the fingertips or the hand, or through touch or through the breath, noticing, feeling the breath in this part of the body, the base of the sternum, soft, tender spot there. Not trying to create some special feeling or or look for something so much, but just connecting here some very simple way. and in keeping with the mm, the approach of beginning where um, it's said to be easy. With this practice, it's, it's said that it's for many, it's easy to begin with the person who falls into the neutral category. Someone who, you know, you know they're another living being, that's clear. You don't know much about them. Maybe there's someone who who's, you've been using that way, although chances are they may have, you might be kind of fond of them by now. You might need a new one. very slight chance there's someone here on the retreat who you still have some neutral sense of, haven't decided that you love or hate them quite yet. Or maybe somebody uh, you can think of from your life outside of the retreat, who you see once in a while at work or in your days, perhaps the person who delivers the mail. Sherry delivers my mail. I don't know Sherry. Sherry's new. I think, I think the the song, Sherry Baby, comes to mind. (laughs) So I, I, I'm kind of fond of Sherry, actually. But, but maybe you have a, your own Sherry. Of course, now you're all singing that song. <laughs> Those of you who are old enough to know it. Yeah. I, take, I take complete responsibility for ruining your retreat. with. <clears throat> I am sparing you singing the song. So there are some small, small blessings. But, even though you don't know this person or know anything about their life or very little you you do know that just just like you, they have their um successes and failures and good days and bad days and sorrows and joys and and all that any living being gets in this change of conditions. And so there's a sense of of connection through that, um, that, 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 what's shared in that, what's shared in the way that we all go through a life. All that comes to us, the changes. And then how we respond to, to that. We all have our own life to live and we have to make our own choices. And the course of our life is, at least in great part, to some extent, um, results from the choices we make in terms of the actions we do, the energies that arise in the mind that we choose to follow. So reflecting that this person, that they are the owner of their karma, the owner of their actions, And though we wish them well, through that basic connection of our shared uh, beingness, our humanity, wish them well. But but their happiness and unhappiness isn't depending on our wishes, but it depends on their actions. Simplified, I care for you but I can't keep you from suffering. I wish you well, but I can't make your choices for you. I care for you, but I can't live your life for you. So in your own way with an image or a felt sense of this being that may arise and pass, you don't have to try to keep it there in some stable way for a long period. And with words or more quietly connecting with the truth of things in terms of the fact that we all have our own life to live. Gently reconnecting with uh, an image or felt sense of this being. Or if you'd like to, if you're not feeling much connection there or you just would like to see what it's like to switch to a being that falls into the easy category, um, <coughs> excuse me, the benefactor or very dear being. where There is this this deeper connection than with the neutral being, a familiarity and an easy, easy well-wishing, easy love there. And knowing that for this person or being, they'll, We'll have all of the different changing conditions that come to all of us. Good days and bad days. Times of sorrow and joy. Times where it's really, really hard. It's really a a lot of suffering. Times when things go really well. knowing that just as all beings have their own life to live, that their actions will be a factor in in determining the course of their lives, that they live dependent on their actions. They are heir to these actions. Connecting with the warmth and care that may come easily, I care for you. You have your own life to live. Like all beings, you are the owner of your karma, of your actions. Your happiness and unhappiness depend upon your choices, the actions you take not upon my wishes for you. I wish you every kind of happiness, but I can't live your life for you. Again, in your own way, with words or in silence, connecting with either the neutral being or this very dear benefactor, very easy being. Touching gently your wish for their happiness and well being and reflecting on the fact that they have their own life to live. Their choices, the actions they choose to take, that they will be the heirs of that, the owners of that, will fare according to those choices. Now, as we come close to the end of this period together, you can start to let go of, of doing, let go of words and images and, and focuses. Not pushing anything away, but not holding on or trying to do it kind of relax that sense of something you're doing, something that feels like a practice or a cultivation. Let that fall away as it will. Settle back into this place maybe more like simple being. Maybe not like that, but that itself, simply being. Nothing you have to do. There's nowhere you have to go right now. And no one you have to be. Thoughts and feelings, sensations, they just come and go. Images, words, sound of silence. There's nothing you have to get or get rid of. There's nothing to hold on to, nothing to let go of. There's no meditation, and there's no one trying to meditate. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.